0: Hello, and welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. This week, I will share part two of the conversation that I had with my colleague and friend of over a decade. You can find the link to part one and all other episodes at theteacherstribe.com, or on your favorite podcast platform. Please share them with others, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. My special guest is Yolanda Thorne, whom I have dubbed an ambassador of love. She is a certified advanced nurtured heart trainer, educator of 14 years, and now school counselor. She is an individual who lives her life daily to make a positive impact in the lives of others. Yolanda is a graduate of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University with a bachelor's degree in elementary education. She also holds a master's degree in counselor education from East Carolina University. Her motto in life is a quote from Maya Angelou that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. For this reason, she lives her life showering others with love. Yolanda lives in Wilson, North Carolina, where she is a devoted mother of four beautiful children, and she is elated to now be a part of the Martin Millennium Academy family. Last week, she started sharing her story of living through trauma and is now supporting others who are or have experienced trauma. Additionally, she battles an autoimmune disease and hair loss. We will pick up the conversation at the point when she decided to be truly authentic and shave her head. Our conversation continues on the other side of this.
1: Passionate teaching is what we do. The joy of learning brings the light to For parents and teachers everywhere, let us your grappling with that. I didn't like the fact that I was hiding something. So it's time for me meant it's time to stop hiding. It wasn't just about hiding behind the hair loss. There was more underneath that, that me and God knew, but that's the step he, he chose to use for me to later as and once I shaved my head, he started pulling back a whole lot of other stuff.
0: So whew, I just got chills <laughs> saying that. <laughs> and it, went- it's beautiful to hear you say it because I'm f- having flashbacks of you in first grade with the head wraps, not knowing all the things that were going on. And then later on when we separated and took on different roles, different jobs and seeing your journey with the wigs and eventually the big shave, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's- just reliving that experience and getting the backstory now about the emotional journey that went along with that
1: yes it was years in the making it wasn't just I woke up one morning hey let me shave my head it was a process like when I first started losing hair I would change my style this way then after a while I had to add the head wrap and this and that and then finally it was time and so I go to my uncle who is just he's my mom's baby brother and he works out of his home and he's fun and he puts on Whitney Houston the greatest love of all because at that time, I love Whitney Houston. And I have several nicknames from my family. So one of my nicknames is Elo, E-L-O. Long story behind that, I have many nicknames. So he puts me in his barber chair, and he says, Elo, are you ready? He says, you just listen to the lyrics of this song, Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all, because once I shave this head, you got to know that the greatest love is inside of you. And now, how fitting is that? Yes. I didn't even think about it till I'm saying it right now on this podcast that God was working everything out in this journey in phases. Woo. I didn't even think about it just now. I had to know the love that lived inside of me and to love Yolanda and embrace Yolanda and trust God's love and all of that because I was getting ready to walk out of that barber chair with no hair. Mm-hmm. Women, our hair is truly our crown and glory. And so he was like, are you ready? And I knew I was ready. And I said, I'm ready. He said, do you want me to put the mirror in front of you? I said, no, I'm good. And so much more I could say about that. My kids were struggling with it. My oldest at the time, Joshua, was 14. And he was upset because he said, mommy, when we go to school tomorrow, because I was teaching and he was a student at my school, he was like, if anybody laughs at you, mommy, I swear I'm going to get in a fight and I'm going to get suspended.
0: (laughs) And, you know, you were talking and I wasn't even thinking about that piece. The impact wasn't just you and your own emotional journey, but how it's going to affect your children. Absolutely.
1: Joshua was upset. He felt that kids were going to laugh at his mom the next day being bald. And I had to have a talk with him. Am I still your mom, whether I have hair or not? You know, what is that saying about you, Joshua? Really, if you're going to fight somebody because they pick about your mom, like you know who your mom is, what is a better way to respond to that? But then God showed me, too, what I was teaching my girls because my daughters, like Maxine said, they had long, thick hair. They had locks at the time. And what was I teaching them about standing in the truth of who you are as a woman, as a girl, that your hair doesn't define you? At the time, I love Indy Ari, who has a song out that that's old that says, I am not my hair. I am not my skin. I am the soul that lives within. So I was able to play that song to my girls and now they have a level of confidence and strength. So it was a teaching lesson for all of us. The biggest thing that Satan meant for my bad, God turned around for my good. When I shaved my head, I remember making a Facebook post and I know it's not about social media. I was blown away with the amount of, Um, comments. I couldn't even read them all. And then private messages in my chat box of women who were going through something similar. And I remember when I did shave it and my uncle gave me the mirror and as things progressed past how I never felt as confident and strong and beautiful as I do now with no hair.
0: And I was just thinking that a lot of times we think our hair, well, I know there's an expression in Jamaica where we say your hair is your beauty. Mm -hmm. But when I I remember just seeing the beauty of even just your face without the hair, Mm -hmm. because it allows everybody who knows Yolanda sees that beautiful smile first. So the hair isn't isn't the the focal point for me. Whenever I look at your beautiful face, I'm always drawn to the smile because I know what's behind the smile. You know all that love, and I wanted before you move on to the next point to just stay in that extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you talked about your children, and just I have an uncle that's very special and dear to my heart too. But mm-hmm. um, just the loving service that your uncle provided. And then I would love to hear more about the extended family, like your, your mom and dad and and, and what that support was like going through that specific part of the journey before you go on.
1: Absolutely. So the extended family is funny because my mom was dealing with hair loss at the same time. And I didn't know how much and how bad hers was. So Slowing it down, the support piece you asked. I had so much support from my mom and my dad. I had so much support, obviously, from my uncle. I mean, he just blasted the music and we were dancing and he said, you're always beautiful to me with or without hair, you know, while he was shaving my head. So I was getting so much support from him. My grandfather, who has now passed away, he was my, oh, he was just my heart. I'm the oldest granddaughter out of, I don't know how many grandkids, but my granddaddy was older. And I remember the first time he saw me afterwards, he cracked the joke and said, I look like his grandson, not his granddaughter. He didn't know who I was. And it didn't offend me at all because you have to know my granddaddy. And then we just laughed and he said, come here granddaughter, come here oldest grand. You know, granddaddy just playing and he gave me a kiss. But my point is I got so much support From my family. And I'm grateful for that. And I know everybody doesn't have that. So again, it was even without my family support for those who are hearing this and feel like, well, I don't have that support. Before the family support came, God was my support. He had already spoken to me as time. So I do believe if I hadn't gotten that support from my family, I would have been okay because I was ready. I couldn't base it on what other people said, family, friends or whatever. Remember, Maxine, you were just saying it was a journey that I started losing my hair way before you even knew me. Mm-hmm. People just didn't know. So it was a journey. I had to be ready. And I was because it was time. Those two words that God said is time. Since that time, my mom has also shaved her head. You know, we've seen lots of stories of people who undergo chemo and they have to lose their hair. So a family member shaves or cuts theirs to support them. Like all of that is, is, you know, again, how I was able to be a blessing to someone else through my own journey and struggle, not knowing it would be my mom. And so many, uh, I could literally name other friends who, for whatever reason, I'm not right now, they're not here on this podcast, but have since shaved their heads because they were losing their hair and just went on and embraced it. And so now, finishing the part of the story, I never felt, when I say beautiful, it's not even about the physical appearance, like you said, Maxine, but now that I've lost my hair, I have never felt as beautiful from the inside out and confident in who I am, because I can't hide behind a head wrap. wrap. I mean, I could, but I choose not to. At one point, I literally had a custom made wig. Mm -hmm. The wig was $800. I made a trip to Maryland, two trips, to get the custom made wig. The first trip had to be a consultation. So I paid for mileage and travel, stayed in a hotel, um, to get the consultation. Then I had to drive back home, then go back the second time to actually get the custom made wig, which was not another travel expense and hotel. And then the wig. So literally I spent over, well over a thousand dollars to hide that I was losing my hair, you know, so it was time out for all of that. And so, you know, the wig was beautiful I have when the day that I stepped out of my uncle's house and from his barber chair, I have not picked up a wig. I do choose, and I still have that $800 beautiful custom made wig, but haven't put it on. I do choose to wear head wraps, not to hide, but because I love them, they're beautiful. If my bald head is too cold, I wear a head wrap out for the day. But um, yeah, it just, it added to me taking off layers of what, what I was hiding from. And then in my heart, God allowed me to start telling more of my story, not just about losing my hair, but about my past trauma. He used the fact that I lost my hair and revealed that to say, okay, Yolanda, what other layers are you going to start peeling back to walk in full authenticity of who you are? So it was just beautiful how he used that to start peeling back layers for me to walk in full authenticity.
0: And what a cleansing breath that must have been, you know, like a stress reliever because I figure mm-hmm. even the head wraps and not the current head wraps, but back then yeah. the tying the locks up and um the wigs were all a part of just holding in that stress for such yes. a long
1: time. Absolutely. And uh, spending money to hide stuff and like you said, emotional and mental. I couldn't go swimming. I would sometimes be afraid if someone was sitting behind me in a staff meeting because they would be able to see, or sitting behind me in church, they would be able to see the thinness and the, you know, you're always on edge and tense. And even though for me, In that moment, it was camouflaging hair loss. We're camouflaging all types of hurts and Mm -hmm. pains. You know, it may not be hair loss. It may be camouflaging abuse or camouflaging a health condition or that afraid of my weight or I'm too fat or I'm too thin or I'm not smart enough. Tons of stuff that we're hiding behind. So I started peeling back layers of embarrassment, from my failed marriage, you know, God was like, so now it's time to peel that back to some abusive things that happened in my marriage. It's time to peel that back to being ashamed because, you know, things I went through with whatever. So that was the beginning phases of peeling back things that I was holding on to that was holding me back. So it was very powerful. God used that one little thing. And now I embrace my baldness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I know your autoimmune condition is unspecified, but, you know, we're talking about what could be considered, quote unquote, the superficial part of it. But if we were to even dig deeper, I know there must have been more heavy components of that because you had to deal with the physical ailments or whatever was going on then.
1: Absolutely. Like Maxine, like you're saying, it wasn't just my hair. Physically, like I said, that you know, we could do several Um, part one, part two, part three of this podcast, because anyone listening who has autoimmune disease, believe it or not, that was not the biggest piece. The hair loss was it. I walked around in pain, physical pain every day. And for me, I chose not to take medication. I have been through the years I've been prescribed muscle relaxers, pain relievers, but I've heard so many stories of people getting addicted to their pain meds. And I refused to be that person. I did not want to you know, have to take medication every day. So I would take Motrin or Tylenol, but that just made the pain a little bit less, but the pills would totally take it away. But I had to keep those pills in my body to do it. I refused. So I walked around in physical pain. People did not know it. Joints and muscle aches. um, There's something that we call fibro fog. Part of my um, autoimmune disease is fibromyalgia. There's tons more, but fibro fog is when you, have difficulty concentrating, difficulty remembering things. And Maxine, you know, I love speaking, public speaking. I would be speaking and totally forget what I was speaking about. Believe it or not, it has happened right now on this podcast because a few minutes back, I had to say, can you tell me what the question was? It happens because of lack of circulation and blood flow. And I know people get brain fog all the time, but My point is, like you're saying, there were tons of things that were really, really difficult. I went through a period where I missed a whole week of work because the pain was so great and I didn't want people to know what I was really dealing with. I've had two blood transfusions. I went through a period where I had weekly iron infusions. My iron was so low, iron pills no longer worked, So I had to get iron intravenously. Um, during one visit, they accidentally gave me too much iron. Believe it or not, you can OD on iron. I passed out, had to be transported. I've never been in an ambulance except one time in my life. And it was the scariest experience. My mom and I were shopping so much more to that story, but I fell out right at the cash register. My mom knew I started breaking out in hives in the store. We knew something was happening. It was just me and my mom. My dad was somewhere in the parking lot and we couldn't reach him. I passed out in the store and I was so scared. People were rushing over. There happened to be a chaplain in the store at the time. They went and got a wheelchair. It was just uh, so much to this story. And um, then I ended up getting maybe like a $11,000 bill from that one day. To this day, I still have not paid that medical bill because I felt you guys gave me too much iron. And because of that, I got sick. And now you want me to pay all of these bills because of your mistake. So I can't even tell you how many medical situations I've dealt with since 2000, maybe 2009. Like there's been such a journey with this autoimmune disease. Hospitalizations, needles, um, scares. When Maxine, you know, when my youngest son was born, I literally almost died. That's right. yes. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us, because God was with us in that labor and delivery room. Many women have trauma stories of childbirth. We are strong women, like giving birth alone People don't know that's the closest a woman ever comes to death is when she's giving birth. And I literally almost bled out on top of had already having blood transfusion. So there's, and to this day, as I speak, I still deal with autoimmune disease. Um, so yeah, God has used so much. And again, I'm hearing Maxine say, someone like you being an ambassador of love, because people look at me and I'm only telling a small bit of my story. Maxine, you're my sister. So, you know, even more than what I'm sharing now, I haven't even touched on what I went through, through the marriage and Mm -hmm. the divorce, you know, so we all have our story, but it's okay for me to say, people look at Yolanda, she's so loving and this and that there's a price that has come with that. And it's okay. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm trying to be transparent here. Yolanda has been through a lot of stuff. Yolanda has not dotted every I and crossed every T. Yolanda has skeletons in her closet, including pain and shame. However, I have learned to release it and to share it and to grow through it and to embrace it and allow it to make me a more beautiful person instead of an ashamed, you know, mean bitter person, if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) It it certainly does. And that's why your story is a gift to the world.
1: (laughs) You know, we keep talking about, I want to throw this in quotes. Um, (laughs) I can name tons of folks I've gotten quotes from, but as an educator, I've gotten a quote from Dr. Seuss (laughs) that I really love. I have a colleague um, who I think it was actually during this time, which we just finished literacy, American Literacy Week.
0: And um, I walked past her, right? Is this... No, I, I don't know, but you just triggered another memory because I have something else pulled up on my phone um, <laughs> about that post you made a day ago too when you were wearing this cape and this beautiful yes. conversation with your children about it. How corny yes. you are. Yes, and I can tie that into this right here. But Me I was do. walking
1: past my colleague's um, door and she had a quote from Dr. Seuss that says something about stop trying to fit in. You were not born to fit in. You were born to stand out. That's why you're outstanding. That apparently is a quote from Dr. Seuss. And so I have shared that because believe it or not, part another part of my sadness or pain, I have never felt like I fit in with people, with my friends growing up. I have lots of friends, you know, going through middle school, high school, all of that. And even as an adult, because people would tell me this, even my family, Yolanda, you're too nice. Yolanda, you're too sweet. Um, and I'm being very transparent in this moment. So I don't want this to be offensive to anyone because I, people know who I am and all of my friends, but I even used to be called, um, We hear this phrase that people are dizzy blonde or dumb blonde, which is very demeaning and painful, but we use that term in our world. And so I used to be called a black dumb blonde. Can you imagine how painful that was for me? I used to be, you know, we know what a nun is, a person, you know, how they devote to, you know, purity and all of this. So I was called a black nun and just all of these things that were hurtful. And, you know, family and friends didn't realize it. They thought it was just a joke. So even while I'm saying this, I want to say let's be mindful of childhood family nicknames that we give our family. You know, over time, we begin to identify with those nicknames, and they're hurtful sometimes and demeaning. And that was my story, and people didn't know it. So I I felt like I was flawed. Because I was too nice, you were too kind, you're too loving. Um, Yolanda, what that equated to me is that I was weak. I felt like I didn't know how to speak up for myself or stand up for myself. So why is it that being kind, being forgiving, being loving had to be viewed as a flaw? Right, as something negative. As something negative. And that's how it downloaded with me. So again, that's why when God spoke to me in 2010 and said, you prayed for me to make you an instrument of my love, that's what I've done. So now I had to embrace that being an instrument of his love was a good thing and not a weak thing but it had downloaded to me as being negative. So when I saw that quote on my colleague's door, it was during that period of when we talked together, that was the whole period of God beginning to speak to me from 2010 to where I am now. He has started the transformation. Yolanda, you weren't born to fit in, honey. You were born to stand out that's why you're outstanding. And he started to show me those situations where you're trying to fit in what you don't realize you're actually standing out. That's why people are, you know, saying you're this and you're that they're noticing that, that loving kind, all of those great things. They don't know what to do with that. Look at that as you standing out and embrace that instead of trying to fit in. And I began to embrace loving kindness, forgiveness. Hey, that's a good thing, Yolanda. You don't have to fit in with those things, stand out with those things. So I I hope people listening can grasp the power of that Dr. Seuss quote that, you know, don't try to fit in with anybody or any situation. You were born to stand out, not to fit in. And, And fitting in is not that's not a negative thing, but for me, I was trying to fit in, in a negative way. Like, who am I, you know, what can I do? And God was like, stand out. use those qualities and stand out with them. So now, oh, so let me add what you just said, the quote that you recently saw. Here we are, again, it's coming full circle. We're having this podcast around American Literacy Week time. And this past week at work, The Friday was wear your favorite word, you know, wear a shirt or something that has your favorite word or dress as your favorite superhero. That's what Friday was at work. So my favorite word is what? It's love. (laughs) And so I was like, if I really had to pick a favorite superhero, just to be real, it would be the Incredible Hulk and the Black Panther. Okay. (laughs) But, um, I dressed up as Black Panther a few years ago and I don't have an Incredible Hulk costume. So I told my kids, mommy's going to create her own costume. And my youngest son who's 13, he was like, mommy, please don't. You are so corny. Please don't do that. And so I went in my room and found a shirt that says loved and a few years ago, I was in Tucson, Arizona at a Nurtured Heart training, and I went to this store that is called, I can't remember the name of the store, but they, the, the premises of this company is kindness. Be kind is their quote. Um, and so they had a superhero cape that's like a neon green, and it says, be kind. And I don't know what their premises was, everything with that superhero cape, but it sounds like clear to me, you wear that cape and you'd be the superhero of kindness.
0: And so that's what I wore. The superhero of kindness and the ambassador of love.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, I wore love on my chest because I wore a shirt that had love on the front and I wore a superhero cape that said, be kind. And so again, I stood out corny and crazy and whatever as a mom and a teacher and a counselor who's in her forties. And that's okay, I was the superhero of love and kindness And I let my cake just blow in the wind as I walked around school and wore love on my chest. And yeah, I was standing out. Again, I don't care if it doesn't fit in and I'm corny and I'm embarrassing folks. I'm gonna spread love and kindness, so...
0: yeah <laughs> there you go it's it's amazing this the story you tell yourself, I think back to um Ian Lavanza and talking about that all the time, how your story has shifted though, Yolanda, from the story you told yourself based on what your family mm-hmm. and friends said to you back then and now how you've rewritten that story. and now mm-hmm. the story that you're telling yourself, this powerful love story is so shifting yeah. and I remember, I don't know how long ago this was. Was it maybe three or four years ago when that book came out? And mm-hmm. I saw that my friend was a published author. I was so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> yes. Can I speak a little bit? on Of the book? course. That's exactly why I brought it up. I want you to tell <laughs> us about that part of your journey of love.
1: Yes. So a few years ago, um, a friend of mine, her name is Iris um, Peterson Bryan. I do want to mention her name to give her 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 due diligence and credit. Um, We were friends since college. God has spoken to her about publishing an anthology. And he had spoken, you know, how many women she would have to be a part of this project. And it ended up being less women than what she had wanted. But we knew God had given her exactly what she needed. And I was asked to be part of that anthology. The title of the anthology is How I Got Over an overcomers anthology that is the full title. So while I'm saying it if anybody is interested it is available on Amazon. There is also now a Kindle edition and again it's how i got over an overcomers anthology and it is an anthology of five women's stories of how they got over. And so clearly when i was asked to be a part of the anthology i was finishing up graduate school. At the time i was working two jobs. I was in a beautiful part of my journey, but a very tough journey too. Um, Single mom, four kids, working two jobs, graduate school, had a 4.0, pushing to keep that grade point average, and now trying to write a chapter of a book. It was tough. So the short version is that the night before our first copy was due to the publisher, Um, like our, our rough draft was due, I had an exam due, I was not feeling well. I was having a flare up with autoimmune disease and I had nothing written. Um, Finished my part of my exam at like two in the morning. And I was like, when I tell you that overwhelming feeling like I was tired, it is 2 a.m. My rough draft is due in the morning. I have not written anything. I had to submit my grad work first and I'm not feeling well. And on top of that, we had to drive to a particular location at one o'clock that afternoon to submit our rough draft in person on a thumb drive and have a photo shoot and a short interview that day. So I was in no condition for any of this and it's three in the morning. So I started praying, there were so many components to that and God said to me, of all things, like God uses the strangest or the small things and make them profound, right? What we think, there's a scripture that talks about that. I document a lot of the things that I go through trying to be transparent and share with others on social media. And so God reminded me, you've already written your rough draft and you don't even know it. He told me so clear to go to Facebook and type in the search. And I didn't even know we can do this. God walked me through every step. I learned this about social media because I'm not tech savvy at all. But I went to my page. I put in the chat I mean, in the search, love. And then you click on post. Are you looking for posts, photos, or videos about love? And I was looking for posts. And then there's this other section you can search where you filter it and say, post by you, by friends, by, I could type in Maxine's name, not post by who. And I clicked on post by you, meaning me. Mm -hmm. So all of the posts that I had posted since I've been on Facebook that have the word love in it would come up. And so here I was like, whoa. So God was like showing me which post to, he said, start copying and pasting. So he would show me what post to use. And I just got goosebumps again, retelling the story. I would start copying and pasting on a word document. Then he would give me another word, forgiveness, search post by me and all the posts that I've posted since 2010. Cause that's when I first became a member. Ironically, there's that 2010 year again, copy and paste all these posts. So I started to do that. And then I ended up with something like a 22 page word document of things I had already written. And God used that for me to start deleting, editing, filtering. So, literally how amazing is god i had already written my story for this anthology that in 2010 i had no idea an anthology was coming i was just doing facebook posts i didn't even know i was starting on part of my book and notice i said part of my book because maxine you know i'm gonna write my own book one day i'm speaking that of course Uh, (laughs) but yeah that's how that anthology came about I The topic was how I got over, and we were given clear instructions to write how we got over whatever it is we got over, whether it had been abuse, pain. For my best friend, who was the founder of this, for her, it was adoption. She was adopted as a child, and she wrote about that. For another woman in the story, it was physical abuse in her marriage. I knew what mine was, but I felt— I didn't felt free enough to write about it at the time. So I kept struggling with, okay, God, now you've given me this document to start editing and all, but I still can't tell my story of how I got over. I can't tell the story. And God was like, Yolanda, listen, you're a lover of words. You're an educator. You don't have to tell your story. I want you to tell how you got over. How is it that you got over? duh, it's like God was saying, duh, you got over through what? Love. That there was again, love. So it's just amazing how God kept using that. So if anybody decides to go to Amazon and buy that book or get the Kindle version, you will see the title of my chapter in that anthology is I Choose Love. Choose Love. Because God showed me, yeah, you may not be ready to write about your trauma, your story, like the other women were so bold and strong and they did. I wasn't there yet. I chose to write about how I actually got over and it was through choosing love through my traumatic experience. So God has just been building on that love theme for me. Um, Choosing love over so many things in our lives, choosing to walk in love at all times it's just so powerful for me it has been my healer my strength my everything so hence the ambassador of love and choosing love and all of that so yeah i I do have a a writing in a book how i got over and overcome this anthology and um five beautiful women. You guys can check it out. All of our stories are amazing. And my chapter is I choose love. And I do encourage you. It's very simple. There's going to be more to come when God, you know, speaks to me to, to go forth with that. But, um, I would love for you to hear how I chose love and how it has helped me get to the woman that I am today.
0: I'll be sure to include the link to it in, in the show notes, in the podcast, Yolanda. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. You know, we could talk forever. Um, And we're actually due one of those lunch dates when when we can see friends again. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But before we wrap up, I have three questions that I always like to ask my guests. And I'm going to ask you to respond to them now. I'm guessing that you've already answered some of them in bits and pieces in our conversation before. But I'll just ask it again so you can respond in a summary kind of way. What are you passionate about, Yolanda? Yolanda.
1: Well, the obvious is, and I hate to sound cliche, but I am passionate about love, okay? But let me just add to that. I am passionate about, <sighs> okay, so there's another quote that says, those who we feel deserve love the least, need it the most. And and that's so true. A lot of times we feel like people don't deserve stuff. And, and we're rightful in saying that. I mean, think about, I don't know just somebody who's done something horrible and we're like they deserve to be xyz whatever it is get 25 years in prison whatever you know and that may be true I just am passionate about coming from a mindset of just that if if we have people or situations in our lives that we want to inflict punishment or pain or hatred or just leave me alone or whatever. I'm passionate about maybe seeing it through a different lens and how can you be a gift to that person? How can you show empathy? How can you show compassion? And there may be situations where you realize, you know what, I do need to walk away from that situation and that's fine, but I'm passionate about in any given situation, seeing how you can be a change, be a difference, be it through love or forgiving them or having a conversation, just been a blessing to somebody else. I'm passionate about taking any situation that you feel is the least of them and showing some empathy or compassion because I found in my life, I learned so much from those people or those situations. You know, it almost sounds bad to say those people, look at them, look, you know, those are where I have got the biggest lesson. For example, homeless people, my my children have learned this from me, my son with all his issues as a teenager, he will not let me drive past a homeless person, walk past a homeless person without saying, mommy, should we go back? Should we give? It's not for me to say they're faking it. They don't really need the money. It's not none of that. Just in that moment, can you impart something, you know? And so I'm passionate about that, just showing up and people's lives as a giver and not a judger or a taker or your opinion. Um, So yeah, there's so much I can say about that. But to me, it amounts to
0: showing up with love. Exactly. um, Instead of judgment. I'm very passionate about that. And I I guess my listeners could already tell. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Based on our conversation before. You know, as you were talking and expounding a bit on your passion, Um, When you said that the people who maybe don't deserve it, so to Uh speak, my mind went back to this Rita Pearson TED Talk that I listened to maybe several times every year. And she talked about um, the children who are maybe more challenging are never absent. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it just lands so much in my heart because it's true. Those are the challenging ones are there and they're coming back every day. They're showing up every day, maybe because of what they receive from you. They're never absent because this might be the place where they feel acknowledged, where they feel loved, where they feel accepted. And some people may want to turn away in annoyance, but what a wonderful gift you, you can give if you pause to show love to that one who seemingly is most undeserving of it.
1: Absolutely, and Maxine, we never know what word or gesture can change a person's life. Um, You and I talked about doing a part two to this and where I know I'm gonna share where somebody's time with me, I think it was only two to three minutes, literally changed my life. And so I'm passionate about not underestimating what for me is love, you know? For you, it may be whatever. Everybody has something to give. And I'm passionate about not underestimating the gift of you because God showed me that. Maxine has used this term. I think she may even tie it into this podcast that she feels I'm a gift to the world. I never thought that. But now I'm passionate about knowing that every person is a gift to this world in your own way. And I'm passionate about helping people to see that and that I show up as a gift to someone in their life. I'm passionate about that.
0: Yes. And you definitely will show up at the time when they need it most. Mm-hmm. You've already revealed to me over the years that I've known you what greatness you bring to the world, but from your perspective Yolanda what greatness do you believe that you bring to the world
1: wow I don't think I would have been able to answer that question a few years ago and I I don't think I can fully answer it now because believe it or not I'm still seeking direct clarity from God on that question but I am clear that I do bring the gift of just being who I am a gift of authenticity, a gift of vulnerability. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable and to just, you know, there's a lot of vulnerability in in this podcast now. Some of the things I'm saying, that voice in the back of my head is like, you just sounded so corny. Like, did you really say that? You know, but I'm still just going with it. So, and I think too, I've heard TD Jake say, what is that thing that you hear from people all the time about yourself? Whether like I've I've done a study abroad trip in Belize and I've had people in Belize say things to me and I'm like, I'm in a whole nother country. This person doesn't know me and they just said X, Y, Z. And my best friend back in the U.S. has been saying that about me for years. I need to pay attention to that, you know? So there've been things that people have said to me through the years, including you, Maxine. So I'm zeroing in on those things And what that is, I think that I bring a gift of authenticity, love, accepting people, being a nurturer. People feel safe with me. They feel some realness. They feel that I care. And I do. And I, I just, I don't know. I just love, love, and I love embracing people. I, I don't, I don't know how to fully answer it, but I think I bring that gift to the world, whatever that is. I don't know
0: how to name it.
1: Um, well, I will name yeah. it
0: for you. You bring that loving gift to the world. That's <laughs> <Okay>. that's <laughs> your your greatness, your superpower. That love is it's going to be weaved into every question that I ask you, and and that's what it is. That's your greatness okay. because love, I think, should be a quality that comes out of us naturally. But for some people, mm-hmm. it's hard. But for mm-hmm. you, it seems as if that's your default setting, Yolanda. Mm-hmm. Some of us have to work harder at loving. We may love mm-hmm. our family. We may love our spouses. We may love people who are in our inner circle. But for you mm-hmm. to have a default setting of just loving people, mm-hmm. to me, that, that, that's a greatness. That's a quality of greatness. Mm, thank you, Maxine. Yeah. So my final question is, who or what inspires or motivates you? Oh, okay. Who inspires me are people
1: who turn their pain into purpose. Maya Angelou is a who inspires me. Many people who know her story. Mm-hmm. She was raped as a young child by a family member. She didn't speak for years later. That individual who raped her ended up dying and then been killed she feels as a result of her revealing who it was and from that that made her stop speaking for I think maybe five to seven years she literally became mute when she did speak she spoke and she had something to say in that time she taught herself three or four different languages like we know the story talk about turning pain into purpose you know Um, Recently, Cicely Tyson died. She is another one of my sheroes. I just brought her book and found out things about her I never knew. So many people, Michelle Obama, we know her famous quote, when they go low, we go high. I love that quote. I have always lived by that without using that quote. Basically, when somebody really shames me or my children or anybody else, to me, they're going really low. My kids always want, mommy, get her back. Mommy, why did you say that? You know, I choose to go high. It hurts to go high because I know what I can say or do to get them, you know? So Michelle Obama has told in her becoming so many situations of pain, but look who she is today in our country, you know? So who inspires me is anybody who chooses to turn their pain into purpose what inspires me, (laughs) who or what inspires me is, is, I'm sorry, it's always going to go back to stories of love, um, healing. I'm always inspired by people who heal and grow. This takes a lot to grow through your pain. It, It takes a lot. We also call it doing the work, doing the work of healing is hard. It's tough. It's a process. And, Years ago, some stranger in a store, again, I have so many stories, just stopped me and they said, sweetheart, there's just this light around you. I don't know who you are, but I can tell you've done the work of healing. And I have, and it's a difficult work. So when I hear people's stories of overcoming, that inspires me that I can overcome. I'm still having pain in my life, but I can overcome. So that inspires me. People who have been through the muck and mary clay as the old folks used to say, (laughs) and can overcome and tell their story even when they're being judged and people are still digging up their dirt and grime. That inspires me because that takes a lot of strength. Nobody's perfect. When you can stand before people with all of your stuff and say, I still matter on somebody that inspires me because nobody's perfect.
0: Yeah. and the second part of my question um, is the motivation piece. and and as I'm asking you that question, I'm thinking about Yolanda working two jobs in grad school, having four children being a single parent, battling your autoimmune issues and all the emotional things associated with that and other things and living through the history of your trauma and yet you you haven't quit. Mm-hmm. So who are what motivates you?
1: Wow, we hear mothers say this a lot, or fathers, but my children motivate me. So, you know, the two jobs, the graduate school, the pay, all of that, I have to realize if I was, j- if I had, if it was just me, you know, maybe you can let stuff slide or be slack in this area or whatever. But when your children are watching and children really watch like my children love to call me out on stuff mommy you, you if you need a good accountability partner let your children hold you accountable they will <laughs> and so my children motivate me to be well for them to overcome for them because i don't want them to repeat my cycles you know we we talk about generational curses and it's true you know, somebody in a family lineage has to break the curse of whatever that may be. And so my children inspire me and motivate me to be the best version of myself that I can be. So that they can be the best version of themselves, in spite of imperfections. Um. Yeah, I guess I would have to say that motivates me and my desire to be the change. You know, I, I started off saying that I do desire to leave a legacy. I don't have money. My legacy is not going to be the material manifestations that I left. I want my legacy to be lessons. You know, she taught me this. She showed me this. Um, she changed my life in this way, you know? Think about great folks like Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King and whoever else we name. the legacies they left. That's what I wanna leave, not things. I want to leave something that was impactful and life-changing and I don't have to be a Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King to leave that, you know? So yeah, my children motivate me, my family motivates me and my own desire to leave a great legacy is what motivates me.
0: Well said, well said. And I wanna close off with where I started because my hunch, or I I had some knowledge too, was that it all started from the root, from your parents. Mm -hmm. And I saw a post that you um, shared, which was a conversation with your dad. Since it's public, I'm saying it now, since (laughs) you've already shared it publicly, but I thought it was the most beautiful thing. I've always admired the relationship with you and your dad. Nothing against your mom because I've admired yeah. that too. Yeah. But maybe because I'm someone who grew up without without my father, mm-hmm. it's, I just always love and appreciate that about your father. I could tell mm-hmm. that he's your biggest cheerleader. Uh-huh. But if you don't mind sharing um, that International Women's Day post, <laughs> I think that will just beautifully summarize this whole love experience that we've been don't talking on. about. <laughs>
1: So what's, what's interesting about you asking me that those of you who have any type of social media, you know, on on various platforms, there's this thing where there's memories. And so for Facebook, they will give you memories each day of what happened or transpired on that same day in previous years. So on International Women's Day, I'm not good with remembering those types of days, like there's National Friendship Day, there's all these days that we probably wouldn't know. But Facebook gave me a reminder that last year on International Women's Day, my dad has sent me this beautiful quote. And as I was reading that, my phone beeped and my dad was sending, sending me a text on that same day, which was last week of, you know, happy International w- Women's Day, EU. You know how I told you guys my name is E-U-L-A-N-D-A. So another one of my nicknames is EU. Long story behind that. So my dad was like, Happy International Women's Day, EU. He said something like, I I love you. And, you know, when I think of this day, I think of you um, working hard and all of that. And so I can't tell you what that does for me to have your father, you know, I'm his daughter, but I'm a grown woman now. And my dad, who's been in the Vietnam War and has been through the civil rights movement and he's overcoming dyslexia and all of these things to tell, you know, he's retired and still working to tell me that I'm inspiring him as a woman and happy international women's day. Like that speaks to how my mom and dad raised me. And again, they are not perfect. My dad has skeletons in his closet and his own pain growing up, you know, in a family of eight and his baby sister, died and was burned in a fire like so much that he's overcome and so I put in my response to my dad thanking him I said and don't forget to tell mommy happy national international women's day too because I wouldn't be the strong woman I am today without my mom so surely my mom is the bomb like that woman is the epitome of strength I'm a daddy's girl yes Maxine knows that And my mom is my best friend. So that foundation of Shirley and Bobby, my mom and my dad, absolutely. We, um, as a family, we have traumas and pain and stuff. We weren't rich, perfect, none of that. But my dad and mom taught me the importance of family and love. So, yeah, I hadn't thought so much of how, you're right, it comes from that too. My parents were and still are adamant about being givers to others. My parents are the biggest givers I know and loving others. And yeah, so that foundation was there with my mom and dad as well. (laughs) Family is is everything.
0: Yes. And you know, Yolanda, I, (laughs) <laughs> I've, this quote, I think I've seen you share it on MLK Day, too. It's it's attributed to Martin Luther King Jr. But this could easily be Yolanda's quote. And I, maybe you can already read my mind, I know, because I never shared this with you before. Do you know which quote I'm referring to? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I choose love over hate,
1: something like it, that.
0: It's, it's 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 totally along that line. Let me quote it. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear.
1: Absolutely. Maxine, you just saying that quote, I think anybody listening, we've heard that for years, how if we harbor hate, that's a great burden to bear. And so I have, again, that is another one of my quotes, I have to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Hate makes my autoimmune worse. You don't have to have autoimmune immune for hate to manifest in your body as heart attack, that whatever, diabetes. When we harbor things, and I teach that in my trauma and resiliency, hate literally, it is medically proven manifests in your body with ailments. Love literally manifests in your body as healing. Your heart opens up, your arteries open up, your breathing is lighter when you manifest and embrace love. When you harbor hate, you literally feel choked up. You're stiff neck, as they say, it manifests. So yeah, thank you, Dr. Martin Luther King. I have decided to stick with love because hate is too great a mental and physical burden to bear. It makes me too heavy and love makes
0: me much lighter for the world. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you, my great ambassador of love on my podcast today. You're, you're continuing to share your gift with the world, but by those who, who are around you, but just by sharing your story here on this platform, I hope it will inspire many others. You've selected a few people that you said you've been inspired by. But my friend, you have been my inspiration too. And as we walk on this journey, you know, that that love is contagious. So I hope we'll all get lovesick. <laughs> wow.
1: Maxine, it has been an honor. It has been therapeutic. It has been powerful and healing for me. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, my
0: friend. I can't wait for us to get together again. Likewise. Much love to you, Yolanda. Thanks Thank again. Thank you. All righty wow 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 from a heart full of love so freely shared and we are benefiting from yolanda's gift to the world love is powerful and transformative so i encourage each listener to choose love next week i will share a conversation with another inspiring educator who lives in south africa Subscribe so you can be notified when that and other episodes are posted. Until next time, walk good and one love.
1: For the joy of learning, subscribe to The Teacher's Strive.